Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Today, we're going to be talking about buying and selling during hurricane season. And I'm joined by Frank Gemma with Caliber Home Loans. Hi, how are you, Nicole? Great, thank you. And Tracy Bear with North Shore Insurance. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So hurricane season is upon us. It started yesterday. And we are already on our third name storm of the season. And uh, Hurricane Predictor said we were going to have an above normal activity. I don't know if we thought it would be quite so above normal. (laughs) So hopefully we're we're getting them out quick and not too much action on our end. So that's... Yes, knocking on wood. Absolutely. Um, so what I wanted to talk about is what people can do who may be looking to buy or sell over the next six months as we go through hurricane season, how people can get prepared, what they can do, um, in the event they're buying in the middle of a storm, things to consider, and or if they experience damage from a storm, what to do after the storm. Um, But we also have to take into consideration this year the added element of COVID-19 and additional consideration and guidelines that we haven't had to endure previously, or at least for 100 years. Right. Yeah, like hurricane season wasn't hard enough. Let's add some, let's sprinkle a little something extra on top (laughs) of COVID. Right. Yes. So there are times um, when lending is paused because of storms. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, when does that happen? You know, typically it, it's, um, it's not really just so, so much pause, but he, here's what ends up happening. If a storm hits a specific area, you know, obviously during that time, we're not going to be lending because we have to worry about the safety and security of our staff and everything else. So we're usually shut down for a period of days. Where it ends up being difficult is, um, after the storm, depending on what the government does in terms of um, federal disaster areas, mm-hmm. there's a whole section of mortgage underwriting guidelines that are dedicated directly towards federal disaster area lending, right? So as a mortgage lender, when we, you know, if, if you're in process to purchase a home, right, and then a storm hits, After the storm hits, there's a whole series of things that we have to do as lenders, right? And that ranges from, you know, re-verifying your employment and your income, because we don't know if you're going to be working or not. Um, You know, we have to, you know, if inspections on the properties have already been done, like appraisals and so forth, those have to get um, sometime re-inspected depending on where they are and what's happened in the areas. So there's things like that, um, that you know, we'll, we'll automatically go back to lending. It's the closing time period periods that may get pushed back a little bit because of some added layers that we have to do as lenders to ensure that the customer themselves is still, has the ability to repay the loan, but also our collateral, which is the house, is still safe and secure. 
And so in reinspections and reappraisals is something that's pretty standard following a storm. Um, during this COVID process, we've seen a lot of appraisals um, being just being adjusted to drive-by because mm -hmm. of safety and people not necessarily wanting people in their homes. So it will be interesting to see what a, a reappraisal post hurricane looks like. Um, do you think it will? It will. Uh, the deciding factor will be, you know, potential damage to a home? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a couple things that are going to play into um, effect with that. You know, you know, number one, it'd be the type of loan we're doing. So, you know, when we do loans, they kind of fall into three buckets, you know, conventional, FHA, and VA. Well, conventional loans are underwritten by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they set their own guidelines. So they'll tell us, all right, Here's what we want you to do in a, um, after if your area has been affected by um, a disaster. And then FHA will have it, it, its guidelines and VA will have its guidelines as well. So it depends on the type of loan. But typically, you know, in the past, we've been able to do drive-bys if we know there's damage to a property and, and get affidavits. Mm. If we know there's been damage to a property, then it ends up being a full appraisal. You know, but you know, over the course of the last 23 years that I've been doing this and a couple of times, um, it's been like four or five times over that time period where a storm has directly impacted the Tampa Bay area. Mm -hmm. It, they change the guidelines. So it really, de it depends, but you know, so we'll have to kind of see, but usually at minimum, there's a drive by requirement to make sure the collateral hasn't been damaged um, okay. as whole. And then of course, like I said, we do re-verify employment because you know, it, it's one thing being off for a couple of days, you know, because of a storm, mm -hmm. but it's a different thing if your industry got severely impacted where you're going to either be, you know, laid off or you're going to put on furlough. Well, that changes your loan qualification. Yeah. Or, or what we saw in the panhandle when Hurricane Michael came through, I think it was Michael, mm -hmm. that, you know, devastated the area. You know, and, and what happens if you are, you know, I guess if the home is destroyed, obviously you're not going to be purchasing you're not, it. Right. Um, are you able to get something to rebuild on that area or you just have to move on? Um, yeah, you, if you're talking about if you're buying a home, right? Mm -hmm. So if a home you're purchasing ends up getting destroyed, typically people just move on. You yeah. know, because otherwise they'd have to get a whole different type of loan, which is a construction loan. You know, True. they need plans. It's you know all that stuff. So typically, it, they don't. They end up not closing out at all. Yeah, and they would have to buy the lot too because that's still True. owned by somebody else. But yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about for buyers things that they need to consider or that they can do to. Um, enhance their ability to purchase if or when a storm hits and they're in the process of buying? So, you know, with all real estate transactions, there's always a contract close date, right? So time is always of the essence in these transactions because you as a, a buyer have made a contract with a seller to close on or before a certain date, right? So that's part of your agreement with them. Well, as your mortgage lender, we have to help you deliver on that. So 
you know, number one, just being prepared. Once you get out there and start shopping, you want to make sure you're talking to your lender. You understand what documents you need to get. You understand where your money's coming from. You supply those things ahead of time so your lender could look at them. So as soon as you get a contract, they could put your file to processing and underwriting relatively quickly and get a decision. At the same time, you really want to make sure that you're engaging your inspectors. Um, you know, um, because Tracy on the homeowners insurance side, you know, we get a, a um, you're going to get a home inspection, you know, probably um, a four point inspection, a wind mitigation. We're all, those things have to happen pretty rapidly because like typically as a lender, I don't order an appraisal until you do a home inspection and tell me you're satisfied with condition of the property you're buying mm -hmm. because I don't want to spend money on an appraisal, right? Collect money from you. You're spending your money on a house and then you go, oh, we have these problems. We can't, you right. can't come to terms with the seller. Mm -hmm. You know, so that stuff you want to happen pretty quickly because once that happens, you know, we can order an appraisal and that's when you can engage Tracy to get your insurance. So Tracy, you know, uh, and I don't want to speak for you because this is more of a question for you, but like once somebody has a wind mitigation and four point, you, you do the quote, you know, at what point in time could you secure that insurance form, you know, for a future date? How does that work? Uh, typically immediately, if everything is okay, the big caveat is your four points. So what we do find typically, um, which is not out of the sc scope of uh, business today, that there may be a little tiny issue somewhere on the four point that the seller has to take care of to technically get what's called a clear four point. So most of the insurance companies will want to clear four point up front. Some will not require one. So it really depends on the insurance company's guidelines. But if you have everything that looks great, let's say the seller did take care of the minor item on the four point, inspector updated it, now we have a clear four point. Literally that day, we can call the customer and what we call bind the insurance. So we would just need the lender information, which is usually very easy to get that same day of loan number and mortgagee clause essentially is it. And then the best thing you can do is really bind insurance ASAP. Typically with homeowners insurance, there's no payment involved. So there really is no downside. If you bind the policy and let's say it doesn't close, the customer is not out any money. The only time when you do pay to bind a policy is for flood insurance. But again, they, uh, the government takes a credit card. So you're really not out cash. If you put it on a credit card, the transaction doesn't go through, they will reverse the charges on your credit card and you will be refunded. So it is a very streamlined process. And when we get a hint of any hurricane out there, we're typically saying, hey, listen, bind your insurance because restrictions are coming and it could be tonight or tomorrow. And I've been on the phone, you know, 10 o'clock at night with customers binding insurance so they can still get it in place before closing. So from an insurance perspective, when a storm is, has been named or when it's your forecast, you're in the cone of uncertainty, what does that look like from an insurance perspective? At what point may you not be able to bind the policy? That's uh, the million dollar question. Depending on the movement of the storm, there is a cone and the insurance companies will put out their requirements. So once the cone is within a certain distance of the Gulf or of the Bay, then binding restrictions start. And not everybody 
does it at the same time. So the good news of it may be that some companies will take two extra days before they restrict binding and some are very conservative and they'll start, you know, that minute they hear about the storm coming within a certain distance. So um, again, everyone works a little differently. So you really don't want to delay. And to Frank's point, definitely getting inspections up front as quick as possible. And every transaction is really going to be the key to your success, specifically during hurricane season. Yeah. Nicole, and I was to say, you had asked, you know, when do we do a pause on lending? Mm -hmm. Right. So here's the biggest pause in hurricane season. We can't order a closing disclosure to get you to the closing table until we have the cost of the insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can't get insurance, mm -hmm. we can't close because you have to remember the collateral for your loan is this property. Well, one of the requirements in the mor with mortgage lenders with all of us is that that collateral has to be insured because mm -hmm. if it burns down and blows or blows away and it's not insured, we're out the money, Right. correct? So, you know, this is the, that's the biggest pause in the, um, in during hurricane season in the mortgage business is the fact that people delay, don't get their inspections done. They try to get insurance. Tracy says, hey, um, it's in the box. We can't write insurance anymore. None of these companies will write until the storm passes. And then we have to push closing back because there was no policy written. Right. So one of the things that I recommend to any seller that I'm working with is to do a pre-sale home inspection. And, you know, at the very least, at minimum, is a four-point inspection. Because you mentioned the importance of having a clear four-point to bind policy. And it's not absolutely necessary, but it's your quickest way to being able to bind a policy. And um, so for buyers, that's very important. Can we just briefly go over what's included in the four point and why it's important to an insurance company to have a clear four point? Absolutely. First, it's usually health and safety. Um, the four points that are the big ticket items in your home are roof, plumbing, electric, heating, AC, HVAC. And so those are really the most costly items to fix and replace in your home. So if you have a leaking roof that's not taken care of, it's only going to cause more costs for repair to a potential new home buyer. The same with plumbing, electric. And, you know, I've seen some electric um, boxes that have been charred. So obviously, you know, there are some health and safety issues in that scenario. And so essentially, the seller, by being proactive and getting the report up front, can say, hey, these are a few things I can take care of before I put the home on the market. And that way, when your buyer comes, they are going to get a clear four point and there will be no hold up and delay into Frank's process. And I can see customers closing actually before the closing dates if they can get everything ahead of schedule. And so a lot of times we'd never know at the beginning where the final insurance policy will be written. Sometimes we'll get a four point and for eligibility purposes, the company we were slated to put a customer with doesn't accept galvanized plumbing. Well, guess what just came back on my four point, galvanized plumbing. So that's why 
knowing all the information up front, it doesn't mean I can't get you insurance, but it may change who I can write your policy with. So the company up front that I didn't need a 4.4, now I'm going to need a 4.4. So I never want to leave it to chance. I think everybody on this um, process here is very proactive. And I think that's really got to be the word um, now and for the future. And especially with Hurricane, why wait? Do everything as quickly as possible because everyone else is going to be making calls to those inspectors to get out there ASAP. And if you're not on top of it, you could be just a week delayed to get your inspector back out there to reinspect your property. So, you know, we always want to make sure everything's done as quickly as possible so we can pull the trigger on writing insurance and get it to Frank's office immediately. Yeah. Right. And Tracy, you bring up a great point there. Um, you know, and Nicole, we didn't even talk about this. So, so after a, a storm, if all these places have to be reinspected, that's really when the backlog starts. Mm -hmm. Because not only do you have the business you were working on and the stuff that's already been cleared, now you have to have people go back out. And that's, you know, there's a limited amount of inspectors, you know, mm -hmm. in any given area. And there's only so much they can work. So, you know, making sure this stuff is done up front really will help you later on. I mean, and sometimes it's a little bit, um, you know, you feel like, all right, well, do I want to spend the money that quick? Do I want to get it done? But believe me, over the years, I've seen too many times where, you know, we make a decision to hold something back for a couple of dollars here and there, and it ends up causing much more problems later on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think, all right, I'm not going to ever do that again. You know, I think enough, the three of us at least have been through this enough over the last bunch of years to know where the pain points are. So, for you know, sure. You're going to share those pain points with some other people. So they might as well, what's the saying, you know, borrow some scar tissue, right? <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. true. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, a lot of times the cost to make the repair or the renovation is minimal. You know, updating a GFI outlet doesn't cost a whole lot. And, um, you know, I, I have a listing coming up that it has an old challenger panel on it, which a lot of carriers don't cover or charge you more if you have that. And so it, it's probably worth the $1,200 or $1,500 for the seller to change it out now. And when the buyer has their four point, they have a clear four point, then having to negotiate that during the contract. And, um, you know, I think for buyers, it's twofold. One, they feel like the home has been maintained better, even though that's not necessarily the case. Um, but also there's less to negotiate. And, you know, for the seller, then all you're leaving for them to negotiate are cosmetic updates, right? right? And, and so it makes for an easier negotiation. Nicole, you know, you bring up a, a great point, you know, from your end as a listing agent, you know, when we send an appraiser in, you know, there's some health and they don't do a property inspection, but they do keep an eye out for some health and safety stuff that may be a problem for the buyer and some minimum property standards that they have to um, look for. And, you know, it's human nature. When you find one thing, you start looking for other things. Mm -hmm. So I always try to, you know, talk to people who are selling the house and say, hey, listen, you really want to make sure your house is 
you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. No, everybody knows a 40 or 50 year old house is not going to be perfect. But those big items, I'm like, listen to your realtor and spend a little bit of money and get them fixed if you can, because it'll make things go a lot smoother later on. Um, you know, because the appraiser is not going to be digging through the house as in depth. If he looks at everything and everything's like, great, everything looks pretty good here. But if he starts finding problems here and there and somewhere else, they're more apt to look for other things, which could cause you appraisal conditions later on. Right. And the other thing is, you know, buyers tend to be, tend to estimate costs a lot higher than they generally are. And sellers tend to estimate them a lot lower than they generally are. So when I, I'm working with a seller, I say, you know, get quotes. That's your best way to fight. You know, if a buyer is going to come and say, I want, you know, $10,000 for a new air conditioner that's really going to cost $4,500. Um, if you're armed with quotes, you may not have the money to replace it, but you at least have multiple quotes. You can mitigate that extra cost that they're trying to get. Um, and, and also be honest with the condition and, and what needs to happen. If, if someone knows in advance that they're gonna have to put on a new roof or buy a new AC or you know they're at the end of the life, knowing that in advance versus being halfway through a transaction or halfway through your inspection period and learning that, to two totally different approaches. Absolutely. And if you're proactive with that, you know, I know Frank's group has no problem working through that. Neither would insurance. You know, as long as we know, hey, new roof needs to be put on. That's going to be put on after closing. I now need to get an exception maybe from underwriting. We, again, start the process even earlier to get everything done. So we're meeting closing dates. So it's all communication. And I love the part that you're bringing up to get them educated because I think once they are, it is an easier process for everybody involved mm -hmm. in it. Absolutely. So we're going to talk quickly through some things, preparations people can make. Um, just again, preparation is key. If, if a hurricane's coming and you've got everything prepared and you may need to evacuate and it's literally just loading up your car and leaving versus having to go to the grocery store, having to find documents to, you know, that you're going to take with you. And it's a whole different process, right? Um, especially when time is of the essence because we don't have a lot of lead time for these storms. Thankfully, we do have lead time. It's not like tornadoes that just come out of nowhere. I grew up in the Midwest and boy, oh boy, you may have like 30 minutes heads up versus a week. So um, not much. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. One of those is developing an evacuation plan. Knowing, are you in a flood zone? You know, the reality here in our area is there's a good chance you might be in a flood zone. You know, the highest point in Florida, I think, is 650 feet. So, and we're surrounded by water. So, um, knowing if you're in a flood zone and, and being in a flood zone and an evacuation zone are two totally different things. So you could be in a, a flood zone, but not in a, an evacuation zone, or you could be in an, um, an X flood zone and in an evacuation zone. 
So knowing the difference between the two evacuation zone means you would have to evacuate if your zone is named. And those zones are A, B, C, D, and E, Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then with flood zones, X and X500, from a lender's perspective, typically don't require flood insurance. Yeah, the only zones um, that require flood and zone flood insurance are A zones and B zones. Right. Um, B, C, and X zones don't require flood insurance. Okay. Um, and depending AE? on. I'm sorry. And AE. AE yeah. needs flood insurance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, depending on where you are, um, you know, the B, the B, C, and X zones, the flood insurance is relatively inexpensive. Um, because it's, not, it's considered a non-flood zone. And I always encourage people to e at least look into it. Um, I have a friend who's an um, insurance adjuster, and he, he travels the country, goes to storm areas, and he does all kinds of stuff. And he, he told me once, he's like, Frank, he's like, it is so hard for us to figure out what the difference is between a flood and wind-driven rain. Mm -hmm. He's like, we're always going to call it a flood. Mm. so if you're you know like for example like my house my house is in a b zone so i don't need flood insurance mm -hmm. right tracy right but i happen to be one mile as the crow flies to the water mm. right so last time we had a storm i have a creek that runs in my neighborhood well the creek is sits down 15 feet okay the creek water was up to the bridge Wow. Okay. So am I in a flood zone? Well, technically not. So I don't need flood insurance. Listen, for the $400 a year it costs me for flood insurance, mm -hmm. I'm carrying flood insurance because if this place floods, my homeowner's insurance is not going to you know, right. cover it. Right. And it's typically about $400, $450 a year for people that are not required to carry flood insurance? That's correct. Over the years, it's gone up a little bit, but depending on your uh, mortgage lender, there are some private options that start at $380, and the uh, National Flood Insurance Program is about 516 right now. So again, very affordable if you think about the cost of what rising water will do to your house. Um, and to tag on to Frank's point, I mean, I just live in St. Pete, and when the sewers backed up on the street, there was no way the rainwater could go anywhere but rise. And so literally the street water was in my yard a couple of years ago for a tropical storm, wasn't even a named hurricane. And so it can take a split second for water not to dissipate and to start building up and come in and you know if it doesn't stop that's where it starts flooding in the house so i highly recommend as frank does anybody to consider whether or not they're in an x zone to really in, uh, look at the benefits of getting a flood insurance policy to protect your personal property as well as your house mm -hmm. and whether or not you have a mortgage exactly so if you don't have a mortgage there typically is a 30-day wait period for flood insurance, because a mortgage lender will require it, there is no wait period involved. And I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years with Irma, especially, we were getting calls right and left. People definitely wanted to put insurance in place. 
but because it wasn't mandated, they did have a 30 day wait. So Mm -hmm. don't wait to the last minute, plan ahead. And uh, for those that don't have it now, it's never too late to get started, better now than never. And uh, your policy would be in effect 30 days from the day you get it um, paid for, so. Right, and we have new flood maps that are out. So there are some people that maybe weren't in a flood zone previously that are going to be once those are confirmed. Um, would you recommend that they buy flood insurance now and will that save them money than if they wait until those maps are confirmed? Most definitely. So there um, has been remapping for Pinellas County and hasn't been officially approved by Congress yet. But for those that are going from a non-flood zone, let's say X to an AE or A zone, if you can get the rate now, you would be considered grandfathered. So what that means is once you get the rate in effect, you will be locked into your lower pricing. And so when rates go up, you're still going to be based on the current rate that you took. If you wait until the new flats go into effect, they will give you a one-year price break, but then they're going to start ramping you up. So there are so many benefits. And if you get the uh, National Flood Program flood policies, those are typically transferable. So that's another selling point to your buyers um, when you're listing a property. And it could be a great selling point to your buyers so if it, you know, Frank has a customer that wants to assume a flood policy that's been around for a couple of years, it could be literally a thousand dollars cheaper than a new one. Yep. So, you know, there, there's no downside really to that. That's great. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an insurance guide that was put out by the Federal Alliance for Safe Homes, also known as FLASH, and the Actuarial Foundation. Um, It's a very comprehensive guide um, that includes tips for reducing potential damages and premiums. And you alluded to the wind mitigation report earlier. And when I was, when I just started um, selling real estate, that was one of the first things I learned about. And the person that taught it said, wind mitts um, will, both, both reports cost you money, but a wind mitigation can save you a tremendous amount of money because it essentially tells you how hurricane-proof your home is. Um, And I learned about opening protection and how it's sort of an all-or-nothing discount, but if you have it, it saves you a tremendous amount of money. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the, the wind mitigation? Certainly. Um, So the wind mitigation, you explained it perfectly, really is a report card on your house with regards to discounts that could apply to keep your house as safe as possible during a hurricane. And so there are seven different points. They look at the age of the home. Um, They look at how the roof is connected to the house. You know, the deck uh, attachments, Is, is it hurricane clips? Is it straps? Obviously, clips and straps are going to be a stronger way to keep your house attached to uh, the roof during a hurricane. So think of it this way. If your roof blows off, how much damage will you have to your home versus your roof staying on during a hurricane? Any way to mitigate any payouts on the insurance company side is where the insurance company is going to credit you and reward you with a lower premium. And so the shape of your roof actually, a hip roof shape, which looks like a pyramid or a triangle on all four sides, 
is the most aerodynamic, so the wind will flow over. It won't lift up the roof and take it off. Um, opening protection to your credit is absolutely a big discount, Nicole. That's where every window and door in your house is missile rated, um, hurricane protection rated. And so it can literally cut your premium in half. Wow. And I had a customer and it, you know, not everybody has every opening protection uh, hurricane rated, but if you get a different alternative where I had a customer who had block window and French doors on the front door, she actually had a company come out and put hurricane protection on those because they weren't hurricane rated and it literally dropped her pr premium in half. So if not every opening is hurricane rated, you can have companies come out that can do the screens, the shutters, you know, alternative methods. So you mm -hmm. do get that credit and maybe it's just a garage door. And sometimes that's all I've seen. If you get protection on the garage door, the whole house then meets that requirement. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a big way to save money. And even in a hurricane, if you don't have every protection, as you mentioned earlier, board up, you know, any flying object that could go through your windows, if you put some plywood up, anything that could mitigate damage being done to your house, if you have the time during a hurricane um, preparedness, do it. Yeah, in my homeowners association, in our newsletter that came out this month, you know, reminded us that hurricane season is upon us to remove, you know, once a storm is projected to hit, to remove all items from the balcony, if you have a balcony, and if you don't, and it's a projectile that causes damage, you know, you may be on the hook for that damage because of not um, removing it, or they may remove the item and you don't get it back. Right. So um, you want to be aware of things like that. One it's of the things, you know, I wanted to mention, because Tracy had brought this up, you know, the the four point you know is, is great because it's going to help you save money on your insurance premium and of course everybody wants to save but here's the other side to that you know when we're doing a loan qualification one of the things we do have to figure out is debt to income ratio right so if we know up front because you've done the inspections early what the cost of, the true cost of your insurance is we could put that into the calculation and know sooner in the process of whether it's going to cause a problem for you to be able to qualify. You know, because as a loan officer, when you come to me and do I do a pre-approval, um, if you say, well, I'm looking for a house that's $250,000, I might say, okay, we're gonna estimate $1,800 a year. But, you know, you might get your wind mitigation back and your four point and stuff, and Tracy might say, well, you know, you got this, this, that, and that, it's really gonna be $2,500 a year. Yeah. So now we're, we're talking an increase in premium and increase in your monthly payment. Do you still qualify? And, you know, does it happen all the time? No, because, you know, typically the realtors that I'm working with and the insurance agent I'm working with are, are connected and they're doing their job really well. But every once in a while, you'll get one where we didn't see it coming and all of a sudden the insurance is a whole lot more and the person can't qualify anymore or we have to do some kind of shuffle with a deductible or something like that, which may not be truly ideal for the customer's financials long-term. Right, and that's something, you bring up a great point. When I am having a buyer consultation with people, it's not too often that you find people looking for a condo or a house. You know, it's usually one or the other, but even if you have four different properties, 
all at the same price point, you could have very different mortgages taking into account the taxes and insurance. You know, depending on what municipality they're in, they're gonna be paying different millage rates, depending on if it has flood insurance that's required or um, isn't updated, the four point, you know, is it's failed in many of those areas. And so you're paying higher premiums because of dated systems and components. Um, it can be a huge difference in what you're gonna be paying in a monthly mortgage payment. Yeah, we, we run across that a lot um, with the older homes, like the stuff that's, and Tracy will tell you, you know, the stuff's built in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s that were, you know, frame homes, right? Mm -hmm you know, versus, you know, a, a similar price home that may be block, there's going to be a different difference in the cost of insurance and the, and the ability to qualify in your monthly payment. So it's great having the inspections done sooner so that we, an insurance agent like Trace can get you the, the accurate figures for that specific property. And even on the listing side, like you said, man, if you, as a listing agent, if you can get all that stuff up front, wow, how much easier it is for anybody who's going to come along to possibly put an offer on that house because they have an idea of what they could expect in terms of insurance. Right. Yeah. Very true. All right. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing, so if a storm hits and you have damage, what do you do next? So let's say before the storm, you properly documented with photos, you know, valuable items, pictures of the home. Um, you have um, you have your important documents, including your insurance policy and um, your mortgage information. Where do you go after the storm? Well, church. <laughs> <laughs> House of worship. <laughs> Head there first. <laughs> if you already own the house, you're going to want to call immediately the insurance carrier um, and open a claim. And they will get their adjusters out as quickly as possible to assess the damage. Um, we always say a picture is worth a thousand words. So nothing elaborate. Go around your house with your phone. Take a video of every room. You know, if you have receipts of things recently purchased or take pictures, grab, you know, a receipt book of items. Um, it makes life so much easier for your uh, adjuster to really understand what the quality, the age, the type of, you know, TV, furniture you had. Um, if it's a guessing game, it's probably going to be a little bit longer of a process, honestly, for an adjuster to figure out. Um, I know Frank is going to have a different process. So for somebody who's just going through the process of buying a house and this hit, that will be a little different for them. Yeah. And, you know, it, like Tracy said, really the first call you do want to make is to your insurance company so they can get the, the claim started. The second call you want to make is to your mortgage company. And the reason I say that is, you know, um, earlier in this conversation, Tracy had talked about some of the things she gets from the mortgage company. One of them is the mortgagee clause. So what that is, is your mortgage company is actually listed as one of the lost payees on your policy because that's their collateral. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people don't realize is you, you talk to Tracy, she gets the, her company gets the claim going, everything's moving along. They say, great, we owe you $50,000. They send you a check. You know what that check says? It says your name plus caliber home loans. And then you go, well, and you go take it to your bank and what does your bank say? Yeah, um, Caliber Home Loans has a sign off on this. 
And you go, oh my God, I never called Caliber. So call Caliber, get that in process at the same time. So you want to call your mortgage company and engage them as well because they'll tell you, all right, here's what you need to do. We'll send you an email. Here's the process. These are the documents we need. So when you get them from your insurance company, get them over to us so we could process it on our end. And that way, you know, you can make use of that money because, you know, unfortunately after a storm, you know, who's busiest? Well, all your contractors are busy. All your tree people are busy. And if you don't have money to pay them, they're moving on to the next person. The until roofers. You're ready to pay. The roofers, yeah. right. Hot commodity after a storm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for your time today. This has been very informative. And, you know, hopefully people not, you know, for people that may be moving down to Florida from a different state that haven't lived in an area that gets hurricanes or for people that haven't bought or sold during hurricane season. Um, this has been very valuable information. It is. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, it sounds like you have some valuable information you'll be posting so everyone can check out some helpful guides too. Yes, I'll definitely be including um, the tips on how to get prepared as well as that insurance guide, which um, is a, a wealth of information for people who want and to be ready. And catch your trees back too. That's the last uh, little tour I'll give everybody while you're home with COVID. Cut a little tree limb back so it doesn't hit your house and break your wind <laughs> during the next hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Little yeah. things make the difference. They do. They sure do. Yes. Well, have a great Thank week. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me or have a real estate related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719-201-5022 or you can reach me via email at Nicole at SellingStPetefl.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E at S-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-P-E-T-E-F-L.com. Thank you.